0: Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit praisecenteronline.com. All right, today, today, we are going to conclude our series on the Apostles' Creed. And so if you would open your Bibles to John chapter 3 and verse 14, we'll get there in just a moment. Again, just to wrap this up, and this, we've done this for weeks now, and it's, it's uh, lasted a while, I know, but I think a lot of people that have talked to me have really been uh, built up by this series and built up in their faith and knowing, uh, you know, knowing more about what we really believe, and that's what this has been about. This, this creed was developed about 300 years after the time of, of Christ, and the reason they developed it was to put it into the most succinct statement that they could, that this is what we believe, this is what we're going after. And, uh, and I, as I mentioned last week, they actually used it, the people that were going to be baptized in water, we didn't make our people do this, but uh, they had to memorize this creed before they could be baptized in water so that they would know clearly what they were being, uh, uh, becoming a part of in terms of family and re, uh, what they believed. So that would, that's an incredible thing. So one more time, if you don't mind, let's stand together and we're going to recite our slightly modified creed. Are you ready to go? Let's do it together. Go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead on the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the community of the holy people, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, amen. Give yourself a high five, or give someone a high five, and you can be seated. Give yourself a high five, that's great, yeah. Brilliant, All right. <laughs> So, uh, today we're focusing on that last line, the life everlasting. If you'd show that slide, just to emphasize that. The life everlasting is what we're going to talk about today. And this, has been, this is going to be a very special day because we're going to get to hear some from Rich today. I'm going to bring him up in a few minutes, and we're going to cover that. So, uh, so let's, let's go to our text In in talking of this idea of life everlasting, we come to probably the best-known text of the Bible, and we're going to use this as sort of a launch pad to get rolling here today. But uh, starting in verse 14, so we'll look at that first, and we'll go all the way through verse 19. Jesus was speaking. If you remember the background of this, uh, Nicodemus had come to him, and uh, he was explaining uh, what do I have to do? And he says, well, you must be born again. And from out of that came this discourse. And so, most Bibles show these letters, if they have a red letter edition, of the words of Jesus. I truly believe they were. There is some dispute about that. Not a big deal. Either way, it's the word of God. But, but I really believe this is Jesus uh, himself describing what's going to happen. He starts out in verse 14 of John 3. He says, the son of man must be lifted up and 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 what does that lifted up mean it's, there's a trinity of meaning there the first meaning is this he and, and this is the most uh clear meaning that the through the cross he was put on a cross and then that cross was raised up and in being raised up he was lifted up it even says in another portion of scripture that as uh Moses lifted up that rod with the snake on it in the wilderness and uh and I always I was always thinking what was that snake thing you ever read that and think, why was a snake on a pole and I I don't know if you see in the medical community they have uh that's the symbol of usually the medical community is a snake wrapped around a pole of some sort and so Jesus said as a snake was lifted up and and it just came kind of as a revelation to me the other day as I was thinking about this and I don't know why it took me this long you probably figured it out by now but I thought about the fact that not only did Jesus defeat our sins on the cross but he defeated the enemy on the cross and that that pole being lifted up in the wilderness said the enemy is defeated every sickness he tried to bring to you every bit of poverty he tried to bring to you anything that the enemy is trying to do is being lifted up and put to death on a pole and that's i believe what was representing and what jesus did as well so uh, so he is not the snake by any means but what he is representing in that point is that death was defeated love it so he was lifted up on the cross he also was lifted up from the tomb third second thing and the third thing was is he was ascended to go and be with his father forever and so we have a trinity then of ascension so let's start that again the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him and here it is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life and it continues, though, and it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. That is so important to remember, church. He didn't send Him here to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And here's the real key to, to our topic today. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And there's that contrast that we see here in verse 18 between those who have believed the message and received that message, who have made Christ Lord of their lives and those who have rejected the gift of salvation that God freely offered to them. And one group is, is stands condemned, the other is looking at eternal life and eternal bliss with God. And that's really the subject of what we're talking about, this idea of life everlasting. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. We pray that you will speak to us and through us, Lord, not only in this moment, but all through the week as we digest things, as we think about it. And Lord, I pray that out of this message and out of this time together, our hearts will be ignited in a passion for lost people around us. For there truly is a time coming when we will face eternity. Everyone will face it one way or another. And we pray in Jesus' name that we will see a great uptick in our heart for the lost. In Jesus Christ's name, if you agree, say amen. Amen. So uh, as you may know, you, and maybe you don't know, but this is a Foursquare church. We belong to a denomination called Foursquare. And, and I think there's good, you know, I'm not saying that churches that aren't parts of denominations don't have uh, this. But I like belonging to a denomination because there's, I believe, safety and accountability in belonging like this. That, that there's some, somebody that's looking over what we're doing all the time. And one of the areas of accountability that we have is is a monthly financial report and ministry report that we send in. And we used to do it uh, by mail. And uh, Anna's our treasurer, she's sitting over here. She's awesome, you should thank her. She volunteers her time and a lot of it to make sure that the books are perfect and they are every month. But we also account ourselves through a, a computer program now, through a website, to our denomination where we keep track of everything. And uh, I think, maybe she mentioned this the other day, I, I don't remember if it, who it was, but 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 as you are putting in the the information about all the expenses and the the income and all that, there's also a ministry section where you put in how many people came on average, uh, how many kids were there, uh, how many people were saved, baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and all that kind of stuff is added. But there's also a box and a place to fill out, and there always has been a place for testimonies. And we've never filled that out. We've never bothered with that. I, I don't know um, why. It's just something we've never done. But some people will fill in something great that's happened in their church or in their church family or people. So that's, that's the thing about the box. Well, years ago, this... Reporting, as I say, used to be in the mail uh, in the old days, and, we, and, and they would send us the forms in the mail. They'd send 12 of them a year, and they were in, on a golden rod piece of paper. So we called them the gold sheets. And everybody, you're, every pastor you talked to in those days, you used to say gold sheet, and they'd just roll their eyes. It was like such a pain in the neck. Filling these things out by hand, trying to type on the lines. Some of you people have no idea what I'm talking about right now, but trust me, it was a pain. So filling out the gold sheets. Well, my friend David, who passed away last December, uh, years and years ago, he was pastoring in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, and uh, they had started a church there. And uh, they were preaching, just like we do here, the power of God to to do all kinds of amazing things. And he had just finished preaching about God's power to raise the dead. And so so he... So He preached that and there was one day a lady in his church who was a nurse and I may not have all the details of this story right but but this is generally how it goes so this nurse is coming out of a grocery store with her groceries and she looks as she looks across the parking lot she sees a car and a person in the car slumped over the wheel but the car is slowly it wasn't going fast but it was just slowly almost at a walking pace running across the parking lot and it ran off the end of the parking lot into a big drainage ditch so this nurse drops her stuff and runs over to this car and she gets in there and opens the door and tries to shake the lady and see if she, okay, no response. She she, put, you know, she did whatever you do to check for pulse, no pulse. This woman was out and she was gone. And this, this gal, I don't know if other people were calling nine one one. I don't know all those details, but all I know is even though she was a nurse, what she decided most important in that moment because of what she just heard Pastor Dave say was to pray, right? And and, and as crazy as this sounds, she begins to pray over this woman, and she begins to believe for great things, and she prayed, and the woman woke up and came back to life right there in the car. And, And so it was just a remarkable testimony for them, just an incredible moment. Well, uh, so, David says, man, I'm going to let my denomination know the good things that God is doing here. So he, fi- and we used to joke about this, all us pastors, we used to joke about that you don't fill out the testimony box because probably nobody even reads these things. You know, they probably just have some data entry person that's putting in all the numbers and they're, they're not paying attention. So sure enough, he takes his gold sheet and he writes into that box, he writes in and says, had a woman raised from the dead and sent it off and waited and waited and waited and sure enough this went on for weeks and he never got a call and so he called me on the phone and we were laughing about it and saying yeah our 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 ideas about what actually happens to those forums is probably true you know that they aren't really paying attention and all that uh, and you would think that if you got a report and you saw that on a on one of these gold sheets that you would for sure call up that pastor and say hey what's going on you know but they never did so Now I imagine things are better now. And, and Anna, if we get somebody raised from the dead, we're going to put it in the testimony box, and uh, we'll make sure that, and we'll see if they they answer. We should just try it sometime, just for fun. Oh, sorry, that was a mistake. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> be fun. Uh, so, so last week, if you were here and if you weren't, you can always listen online. We talked about the fact that when we die. Our souls, which, we, which is really the eternal essence of who we really are. It's, it's our mind, it's our intellect, it's our emotions, our will, all of that. Our souls go immediately into the presence of the Lord. We know from Scripture it says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord, right? So we know that we go right into the presence of the Lord. And, and I can't fully describe what that state is like. Uh, I don't want you to think it's weird but we, we don't have our resurrected bodies at that point. But we will be in the presence of the Lord. The essence of who we are will be before God. And so there, we are going to wait for what we call the coming of the Lord. And at that event, or the rapture happens, there will be something remarkable that will begin to happen. And what happens is it says that the, that the dead in Christ, that would be us if we die before the rapture, that the dead in Christ will be raised first. And then in a moment it says that those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. This is an incredible thing that is is coming, and it's coming sooner than we think, I believe, in Jesus' name. But when that happens, we'll get a resurrected body that will be free from all limitations, free from pains, and free from the needs of this old earthly body. How many are looking forward to that day? Woo! I can't wait. I tell you what, I cannot wait. I'm excited to think about that. C.S. Lewis suggested that our future bodies will be more real, more substantial, and perhaps more human, which I think is a remarkable thing to say, than the present bodies we live in right now. I think he's right about that. I, I think we, we don't understand this, but the reality is the kingdom of God, which is invisible to us. This is the shadow shadowlands, if you will. Okay? This is a place where we're living out life and everything we see seems real to us. But we even know on an atomic level that what seems solid to us is really a lot of empty space. And it's just remarkable to think about how real God's kingdom and how real heaven's going to be and how, how real things will seem to us when we get there. It's going to be great. Are you excited? Ready to go today? Come on! Okay. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? An old line from a Crowder song, isn't that right? So... Now, though, again, those who are not in Christ, or those who are in Christ, excuse me, who have not died will, will follow that resurrection of the dead instantaneously, the old King James said, in the twinkling of an eye. What a great phrase that is, right? Just in a moment. And, we get, and th- that group of people, and I hope that's us, will skip the dying part and be transformed into our new bodies immediately. How many vote for option two? I like that option as well. But here's something to think about, and I, I hate to turn a kind of a maybe a dark corner here, but bear with me for a few moments if you would. It's not only believers who will be resurrected when, uh, at the end, but there, there is also a resurrection of unbelievers who will face a, a resurrection to be judged for their sins. Remember, your sins and my sins, if we're believers, have already been taken care of by Christ on the cross. He took our sins for us, and He took judgment for us on that cross. So there won't be that kind of a judgment for us, a different kind of judgment, but not a judgment unto salvation, a judgment for the works that we do. You say, well, we, we don't need to do works to get into heaven. No, but our works matter, and we will be judged according to our works, but it won't keep us out of heaven. Do you understand? But those who have done great works will receive great reward. Those who have not done any works will be in heaven, but they won't receive the rewards. And so that's just something to think about when we think about, hey, let's do some good works for God. Let's do that. So, so, But it's not only the believers who will be resurrected, but the unbelievers will face this resurrection to judgment. Jesus himself said this in John 5. We'll put it on the screen. It says, A time is coming when all, those, all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. There's been a trend, I think it's mostly in America, but I, I think this is popping its head up, all around the earth in these last days. And I think it's always been around, just this undercurrent. There's this small trend out there, small group of people suggesting that hell is neither it is, is is either non-existent or not eternal or not a place of true torment. And there's just been these little pockets, even famous preachers have come out and said, you know, hell hell is not what we think it is, and everybody, ooh, because you're so popular, we gotta believe what you say. But but these ideas are nothing new. They've popped up through the centuries. And I, this is my personal feeling. I think the devil himself is behind these things because I think he's convinced himself that he will not spend eternity there. So he's, he's feeding these lies into the population and even getting it into the church in, in tickling, itching ears, as the Scripture says, to try to convince people that, there's, that, there, th- that this place that is so horrible to talk about is not real in some way. But I believe Scripture is clear, and even if I'm wrong, who wants to take that chance? That is nothing to tinker around with. You think, you know, I can imagine people hearing that say, well, okay, so maybe it isn't eternal, or maybe it's not that bad, or whatever. I can go through whatever I have to go to, and maybe I slip into non-existence after a while. I'll just deal with it, and I'll live life the way I want to live it now. Bad idea. Bad idea. Just as the believer will have a bodily resurrection, the unbeliever will will have a body as well in hell. And this is why, this is some scripture, I'm going to go through these really quick, but I'm just going to walk you through to show you scripturally why we don't want people to go to hell. Okay, if I can just say it out like that. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 5.30, you're familiar with this verse, I'm sure. He says, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. That's brutal language. But listen, he is, he's not talking about literally cutting your hand off, but he's talking about the, the devastation we should think about sin is so much so that it would be as revolting as trying to cut your hand off, as hard as that would be. He says, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your, watch these words, whole body to go into hell. So hell is a place where bodies go just like resurrection bodies go to heaven, resurrected bodies that don't know the Lord will spend eternity in hell. Mark reports the same words of Jesus, but also goes on to describe hell a little differently. He says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, it's better you end your life maimed with two hands, or then with two hands to go into hell. Where the, listen to these words. Where the fire never goes out. Where the worms that eat them do not die, and the fire is not quenched. Quoting Isaiah 66 right there. So it is a bodily eternity. It is eternal. Further descriptions come from the book of Revelation. Revelation 14, 10. I'm talking about life everlasting, but there's, we have to understand that there's two sides to this, don't we? Don't we have to get our, our hearts and understand this? It says in Revelation 14, 10, listen, they will be tormented with burning sulfur, and the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and there'll be no rest day or night. No rest. It's interesting because for... For the believer, eternity is described over and over in the book of Hebrews as a place of et- entering eternal rest. Not a place where we do nothing, but a place where we rest forever. We, we're rested. We're like, ah, this is where I belong. It's the best rest you've ever had, but, it's an, but there's activity involved in it. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be gulf in heaven. There just has to be, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Continuing, though, in, in uh, Revelation 20.10. It talks here about the devil. It says the devil who deceived them was thrown in, and I'm bringing this in because it says a lake of burning sulfur. Remember that? Where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown already. And they will be tormented day and night forever. You think, well, that's the devil, that's the beast, that's others. But then in Revelation 20:15 it says anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The way you get your name into the book of life is to confess Jesus Christ as Lord, receive him uh, into your life, and have your sins forgiven. Revelation 21.8, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And you say, Pastor Sal, I didn't come to church to be depressed today. I know. Hopefully things are going to turn a corner right here. I know this isn't a pleasant topic, but it's crucially important for every single one of us here. It is unconscionable for for us who have eternal life to stand back with the attitude, uh, as my brother showed me yesterday, your disgusted look when you're on the golf course when somebody's not moving fast enough is this, okay? We cannot stand back with this kind of attitude like, well, what are we going to do about it? They're all headed to hell and it's not a big deal. And it is a big deal, isn't it? We can't can't think that way. This is a gross misunderstanding of of part of why Jesus saved us. A lot of us think, oh, I'm saved. That means God gave me a ticket. I get to go to heaven. I've got the golden ticket. I'm going to heaven when I die. And then we just kind of forget that we were saved out of sin. And there's other people that are still there. It's said that the people, uh, when we are first saved, people... Uh, that's within the first two years, that's when we're best at evangelizing others. But, but we start losing unsaved friends after a while. And we have to make a conscious effort to start reaching out. I love what my wife does. She gets in, Well, of course, she says it's to reach other people, but there's golf involved. But anyway, <laughs> kidding. But, but she does. She gets out in the community. She gets to know people. She invites them to church. And we just believe through prayer and the invitation, they're going to come and they're going to hear the gospel message. That's what we need to do. So, so, so we're, we're getting the word out. If you look at the parables of the talents and the, the minas in the, in the New Testament, it's obvious from those that the king who gave out these talents and, a, and the, the, the money and things was expecting it to be invested, expecting it to be used. For the servant that hid theirs in the ground and did nothing with it, they were chastised in the most severe way. And so I'm just saying God expects us to get busy and get out there and tell people uh, and care enough about them to make sure that those who are lost in their sins will be warned. Now, notice I said warn them. It is not our business to judge them. God is about, listen, someone will judge them, and they need to understand that judgment is coming, but that is God's business. Now, just a little caveat. We are to judge each other as believers, and we do this in a righteous way and we do it in a careful way as one picking a splinter out of someone's eyes would be so careful. First of all, I've got to remove the plank from my own and I'm going to judge you and say, brother or sister, straighten up in this area. That's the kind of judgment we have in the house. But out there, we're not to judge the world. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction and judgment. Do you understand? Yeah. That's his business. Leave it up to God. Now, imagine, if you will, a multitude of people. And uh, um, Jake, would you mind helping me here? And uh, just stand this way, facing everybody. And could you just put your hands over your eyes real quick? Now, uh, yeah, that's great. So he can't see a thing, right? Now, in this illustration, Jake's going to be the unbeliever. And I was w- walking along as an unbeliever, too. And so we're just going to start walking forward, Jake. Now, don't look. Don't look. All right? All right, you can stop for a moment. All right? So what happened was, is I was walking along and, uh, in, in my sin and until I was 15 years old, and I remember that night so clearly, my brother received Christ before me and encouraged me in my faith to have, to have enough faith to be saved too. But I, I, in fact, I, I thought, if he's going to do it, I'm going to do it too, you know? <laughs> a little a little uh, sibling rivalry there, I guess. Well, if he's going to be a Christian, I guess I will be too. So, so anyway, at the moment that I received Christ or that you received Christ, the blindfold that was covering my eyes suddenly was removed, and this is what repentance is, Right? What did I do? I turned 180 degrees. You with me? From a destiny apart from God in hell. And, and p- picture this as a great cliff, 1,000 feet down, that if we went off of it, we would die. So I turned away from that. And now, Jake, you keep walking towards the sound of my voice here. I promise I won't let you fall off. And, and here's the unbelievers heading toward a destiny without God. And I'm walking through the crowd, and there's a picture of, uh, thousands of people across here all marching toward eternity. And I'm just like, jake jake open your eyes open your eyes and he chooses to and then he turns around with me and we start making our way through the crowd and we're grabbing people that isn't judgment that is caring about people Do you understand we're saying we don't want you to go to hell thank you so much that really helped a lot to see that good job it's life everlasting is what we're talking about some people have the attitude that uh and i've met people like this that they think well i'll just live my life however i want to And then when the end gets close, I'll know and I'll have enough time to receive Christ. That is a scary proposition. Very scary. I'm not saying he wouldn't welcome you at the last minute. The thief on the cross is proof of that. But here's the problem with that kind of thinking. Death can come very, very suddenly. We can all tell or, or hear, we've all heard stories of people who they're just driving along or they're just doing something and before they know it, Life is vanquished in a moment. You don't always have time to think that through. Death can come very suddenly. I want to invite my friend Rich Halterman to come up. This is something I've been looking forward to for weeks. And Rich is going to come up here now, and we're just going to talk and, and uh, for a few moments about the event that happened uh, not too long. Where's mic number three? We need mic number three. Come on up, Rich. All right, all right. You can pick that chair. And I'm going to leave this here. Here's a water for you if you want it. Isn't that nice of me? That's burnt, All right, you've got to use the mic when you talk back to me so people in recording That was here. nice of you. Okay, thank you. All right, all right, all right. We're just going to sit and talk for a minute. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah. We're going to welcome you into our little living room here, and we're just going to chat. This is Rich. If you haven't met Rich and Lynn, they are just incredible, awesome people. Uh, I met Rich probably about... Oh, Seven years ago or seven, eight? Yep, seven yeah, something years like ago, that. Yep. He was a part of the church in Bridgeport, Washington, where a friend of ours was pastoring at the time. Yep. That friend uh, decided not to pastor there anymore, so he moved on. And this guy stepped in. Now, he was in process during that time. He started out as a sheriff's deputy. Uh, or no, what was your t- position in the Douglas County? I was the
1: athletic director of the Bridgeport School District. Right, but you were also uh, used to be. Used to be with the Douglas County Sheriff's Department for thirty-one years.
0: Right, and what was your rank in that? Uh,
1: Sergeant. Sergeant.
0: That's it. That's what I, the word I was looking for. So, so anyway, what happened was, is he ended up. Uh, he was trying to become a chaplain, and he had to be licensed with Foursquare. So that's how I got to know him. That's where our friendship began, and our relationship yes. began. It was incredible. And so, Rich, um, tell us. Let's go back though to uh, your early years, when did you, uh, where were you born, where do you come from and all that?
1: Well, I was born in Sunnyside, Washington, a lot of years ago, we won't go into that, but uh, we moved to Quincy, Uh, that's where I grew up, went to school at, at Quincy until I graduated in 1969.
0: Okay, and so so, uh, when, how old were you when you received the Lord? When did that happen?
1: Well... (laughs) You know, I was baptized in Sunnyside, but, uh, you know, I was only in, I think, the second grade, so okay. I can't really remember all that stuff. Uh, I didn't fully accept the Lord until about 2010.
0: Okay. So you there was a relationship with the Lord early on, but maybe mm-hmm. not a strong one, and then there was kind of a falling away time. Tell, tell yes. us a little bit about that.
1: I fell away back in, uh, just before I left, uh, well, I was in the service in the Army at the time, when my father passed away, and we had just gotten to know each other very well, and um, I blamed God for taking him.
0: You blamed God for your father being taken. Yep, I so became a, a very angry path person. Of, like I don't want anything to do with God anymore.
1: Uh, nope, I left the church and everything. So
0: that's not that unusual, is it? Here's one thing. Listen, and this 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 is a message I'm going to preach soon uh, that to to undo some of the bad thinking that Hollywood has fed us, the idea that God is in control of everything. And uh, I'm not taking away from God's power at all, but the fact is, he doesn't kill people, okay? This is not no. the God we serve. So that's important there. I can attest to that now. Yes, yes, you know it now. I know that. But then so. you didn't, and you gave up on God. I we gave heard, up completely on him. We've heard many stories like yeah, that so. of people that gave up on God because yeah. something didn't go right in their life, and they yeah. blame God. Yeah. And,
1: you know, that caused my wife and my two daughters to also not go to church, mm. and, and uh, so we never gave them that opportunity until late in life. Okay.
0: All right. So 2010, something happened. Describe what happened in 2010 that got you back on track.
1: Um, I moved in with my mother. She had uh, been diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer and she was gonna die. And there was no one to care for. She would not go into a home. She wouldn't go anywhere else. So um, I left my house and moved in with my mom to care for her for about 30 days before she passed away. And during that process, my mom's a very strong, strong Christian. Yeah. Um, I would ask her what she would like me to do, and she wanted me to read the Bible to her, and that mm-hmm. was very hard for me to pick up and open up to it, and uh, I started doing that. Good. Uh, and over that process, I found myself reading the Bible without being asked. Uh, I found myself accepting my mother's death a lot easier than what I would have. Excellent. And um, a whole new life started.
0: Yeah. Man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. What a turnaround for you. Good. Your brother is a a pastor, is that right? Yes, he is. A pastor over in Yelm. Yelm, Washington.
1: Uh, He's been one for about 30-some years now. So,
0: So uh, let's talk about what you do for recreation. (laughs) What is it that you love to do that's fun?
1: I'm a senior softballer. Yeah? And we play from April until October. So... uh, that's why I'm not here at church sometimes on Sundays because we're gone to tournaments and uh, we play a lot of ball.
0: So. You're forgiven for all that.
1: <laughs> for <sure. laughs> so, so, but uh, that's what I do mainly for my recreation.
0: So, something happened to you. You were up to bat. Uh, how long ago was that? What, the, what was the date? Uh, that was the last
1: uh, day in May. Okay. Um, I was. Uh, we were at Hydro Park, and I was coming up to bat, and uh, as I was standing there. Uh, it was like a, I knew I didn't feel well, it was like a black veil completely shutting over me. And I remember standing back and saying, time to the umpire, I need time. And then the next thing I remembered, I was uh, looking up at people who were working on me.
0: Okay, so there you are up to bat. No, nothing other than feeling a little ill at that moment. Right. And in a moment, it went black for you. Total blackness. How long was the period of time from the moment you fell on the ground and you messed up your head a little bit yep. until uh, you woke back up? How long was that? 11 minutes they did
1: CPR on me.
0: So, so they um, began, came over and started doing CPR yep. on you, and uh, you, bru- you bruised your ribs and all that. like <laughs> they, did <it> right? <laughs> they did it right? They did it right. They broke
1: three ribs, so wow. uh, they did it right and everything. But it took about 11 minutes. Uh, the ambulance uh, uh, showed up, and they shocked me. And it only took one shock, and my heart started again.
0: Wow! Praise God. Yes. So the CPR kept you going. Yes. And then uh, the shock brought, finally brought you back. Yes. And did I hear somewhere, and I don't know if it's something I heard while I was in the hospital, and maybe if I'm wrong, just tell me I am. But that uh, that they said the time frame for you was a matter of maybe another minute or so, and they wouldn't have been able to bring you back. Was that's that's yeah, that's yeah. what the doctor that's said. Yes. Said. So. Yeah. So, uh, so we're not saying here today that he was raised from the dead, uh, like a, a resurrection happened. We're talking about CPR and bringing him back to life by a natural means. Which we, how many thank God for that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to minimize it. I just want to be clear that we're not saying, you know, uh, this was a, a prayer. I don't even know if anybody was praying. I'm sure, yes. Lynn, I'm sure Lynn was, but <laughs> yeah, well, there
1: was a uh, member of our softball team I played for who's also a minister. Okay. He was kneeling, praying during the process.
0: Praise God. So, so anyway, I just want to make that clear, though. But, but here's the thing I want to ask you is, did you have any kind of experience during that time <laughs> what, when, that, when you were blacked out from yeah. the time you blacked out till the time yeah. that they woke you up? Anything at all happened to you?
1: No. Um, in fact, my brother's wife asked me yeah. if I saw light. <laughs> That's a typical I, question. Yeah, right? yeah. And I told her, no, I did not. She says, well, that's because he told you to get back where you needed to be because he had more for you to do. I believe that. I do, <laughs> I do, I too. I do, too. I love that.
0: I so. believe that. So um, so you didn't, you didn't experience any out-of-body experience? No. or uh-huh. As far as you know, you didn't see heaven. I think that that's good because we needed you back here. And I think, here's what I think, Rich, if you had seen heaven, if you had seen the Lord, there's no way in the world you'd have wanted to come back as wonderful as your wife and <laughs> life is here, as wonderful yeah. as you love softball and as much as you love your pastor.
1: <laughs> Amen.
0: Yeah, but for sure you wouldn't have wanted to come back, you know, so, so I kind of believe that that's, that might be part of it too. Mm-hmm. But here's, the, here's the, the, the crux of the whole thing for me and the thing I really want us to get from the moment you started feeling bad, did you have any moment where you could have even uttered a prayer that you would have been able to stop and go? Oh, oh, I'm dying.
1: No, no, no. It was just uh, the block just came very quickly.
0: Wow, so yeah. fast.
1: Yeah, I don't remember anything after that.
0: So, so, church, this is what I think. I think here's a, here's a guy, and now you have a pacemaker, right?
1: Yeah, pacemaker yeah. and defibrillator.
0: And was was the pacemaker faulty, or was there something? No, wrong? there was nothing wrong, was nothing with, nothing the wrong with the pacemaker. Nope. So that's just weird that that had even happened. Right. And, uh, but they gave him a new one. It's got a defibrillator in it now. So, so he'll get jolted back to life, if that, even if it happened now. But it's not going to.
1: No, no, no. So, uh,
0: so but, but here's the thing that I really want us to get to in this conversation is, is the fact that you didn't have time to get ready no. in that moment. No. But praise God, you're already ready. Yeah. You're already yes. saved yeah. by the blood of Jesus. Yep. And had you not come back, and I thank God that you did, but you'd have, you'd have been in the presence of the Lord forever. I love that.
1: I would be where I'd want to be. Yeah, amen. amen. Amen.
0: Isn't that just encouraging yeah. to think about? And if you're a believer here today, that's what you can look forward to as well, to know that you don't have to worry like at the last minute, Ooh, better go through a checklist with God or repent. Your sins are forgiven. Come on. The blood of Christ has covered your sins. You're, you're forgiven. You're okay. You're with the Lord. Yeah, you sin and I sin. I get that. But that does not mean that our, our, those sins are already covered. When Jesus forgave our sins, he not only forgave our past sins, but he forgave our present sins and even our future sins. Is there a need for repentance? Absolutely. But that has to do with keeping our relationship with God as clean as we can get it. It's like I'm still married to Ron even when we fight, but sometimes I need to go back to Ron and say, I'm so sorry, I was a bonehead. Which happens quite often, actually. So... <laughs> Yeah, you, I got a witness over there. So sometimes, see, see, it didn't change my relationship with her because I was a bonehead. And it's the same with God. We are married to Jesus Christ. We're the bride. He's the groom. Sometimes we mess up, but that doesn't mean we've lost relationship. Come on. You get that? So what is it you'd like to tell everybody uh, about their own lives and about the lives of others around us, unbelievers? And what, what, what?
1: You know... Um... What I got out of all this out here is that there's more for me to do. Amen. And it wasn't to be sitting back in the back and just sitting up here, and I love listening to Pastor Sal and Pastor Rhonda. <laughs> uh, I love their uh, services up here and stuff. But I, I need to do more. And that is I now talk to more people. Good for you. Um, they see Christ in me, mm. and I want them to see Christ in me. Because if I can bring one person back to this church, Mm. one person, that just starts the flow. It starts the magnet to drawing everybody else into church.
0: I love that, Rich. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You can be seated. How many are encouraged by his story to hear that what's God's doing? Yeah, life everlasting. It's incredible. So you get all this stuff I'm talking about today, right? You understand what we're going through here, that, that how, no matter how wonderful or amazing this life is, uh, that, that there is going to come a time when eternity, we're going to get there. And we, there could be a lot of joy in this life, but how many know there could be a lot of pain too? It could definitely be. And I have a feeling that, that again, that heaven's going to be so amazing that none of us would ever want to come back. And, and there have been many testimonies of people who have had... Experiences like that, but have had visions, whether they're visions or reality, maybe we can't tell right now. But they have had visions and things where they felt like they were in heaven, where they saw God. You know, some of you are probably familiar with, if you're not, you ought to read the book uh, that came out in 2011, Heaven is for Real. It's a story about a little boy, I think he was four at the time, Uh, yeah, he was four and he was from a small town and his dad was a pastor and some procedure they were doing in the hospital and this little boy died on the operating table or whatever the procedure table was. he you think well how can a four-year-old relate but here's the amazing thing about the story if you're not familiar with it is this little boy Colton ended up being able to tell his family details about stuff he had never learned before he did not know that his mother had miscarried but he came back from an experience where he had died on the table he said it was one of these things where he said I could I could I was above you and I could see you mom and dad and I could see out in the waiting room and I could see the doctors a four-year-old describing this but then he said and I saw my sister who died and they're looking at him like how do you know that the boy was in heaven you understand god god showed him and he and he also knew a, a, a nickname that they had for a grandfather that and he was able to describe things about his grandfather who had died before this little four-year-old was even born and things like that And if you haven't read the story or heard it in fact there's a movie out how many have seen that some of you have, yeah. It's worth looking into, uh, you know, because you think, well, this, this little four-year-old had so many details about things that were so incredible. And so, so there is an eternity, folks. There, and here's the, the big question we got to ask. First of all, are you ready? And I believe I know most of the people, or if not all, in this room today. And I ask you, are you ready to go? At a moment's notice, you just don't know. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just saying, you've you got to be Ready? And you've got to make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But, but there's also uh, a thing where I just want to say, could we just be prepared to talk to people who don't know the Lord? Like, like, I think that's so great, the conclusion you came to, is there's a reason for you to be here. But we don't have to have an experience, praise God, like Rich, to know that there's a reason that we're all here. Do you know if the only reason God had saved you and me was that we would go to heaven, why wouldn't he just zap us to heaven at the moment we said yes to Jesus? there's got to be work to be done and that's what we're to be about is telling others the great great story when my brother and I were saved in the little four square church in Winston Oregon we and I don't know if you, you probably do remember this song but when we all get to heaven do you remember that song when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus we will sing and shout the victory that was one of our favorite songs we would sing that over and over and over again Sing and shout the victory. First Thessalonians four, sixteen through 18 as the worship team comes back up on the screen. For the Lord Himself, listen to these words, will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, I love this, we will be with the Lord forever. Now look at verse 18 though. Therefore encourage each other with these words. You see we're to be talking about this and I heard a sermon recently where the the preacher said we don't talk enough about heaven anymore and I think that's true. Man when we first got saved Tony, we used to talk about heaven a lot. We used to sing a lot of songs about you know we used to have a a song we did in the round heaven is a wonderful place filled with (laughs) glory and grace. Anybody heard this one? I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. Want to go there? And then, then somebody would sing over the top of you. It was like, row, row, row your boat. I mean, you may laugh. You may think that sounds stupid. But I think everything that we did as kids, and we have lost perspective in the church in these days. We're, we're so, uh, so many, uh, I just heard from a, a pastor, a retired pastor yesterday or two days ago and he was telling me that he's trying to find a new church to go to and I'm not putting down other churches but the message was always about just how to help yourself just self-esteem and how to get better but nobody's talking about Jesus anymore nobody's talking about heaven anymore we need to talk more about Jesus i tell you we need to talk more about heaven do you agree Aaron in Jesus name we got to get after it this is what it's about if we're not preaching Jesus what are we talking about up here it's crazy stuff. I'm not saying that sermons can't have elements in them of like how to get your life better, but if we're just thinking all that we come to church for is to get a better life in this life, you may as well just not come. Just forget that. You could, listen, you could go on YouTube and do that. Right? And you don't even have to go to Christians to get good, uh, good advice. But if you want to hear the word of life, you want to hear the truth about God, this is the place we need to be in the house of the Lord. We need to talk about heaven more. We need heaven on our minds more. We need to know that life on this earth is not all there is. We need to get heaven so heavenly minded that we are tons of earthly good. Right? Like right? Yeah. Get so heavenly minded that we get, become more good for earth. Heaven is mentioned, listen to this, 1,865 times in the Old Testament, 316 times in the New Testament. It's mentioned uh, so much. That we ought to be talking about heaven more than we are, church. I mentioned C.S. Lewis earlier, but he also had this to say about heaven. He said, if you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who, were, who thought most of the next. Are you catching this? It's since Christians have largely ceased to think of, any other, of the other world, they have become so ineffective in this. I think he's right. I mentioned earlier in announcements, we're doing a train outreach. Listen, we, I'm not just trying to get you down there to, hey, let's do something cool. I want to get opportunities to talk to people in our community about Jesus. We had those opportunities last year. I hope you'll join us. I hope you come be a part of it. Make snow cones, make hot dogs, help people, just talk to people. You don't even have to do anything. Just show up and tell people and talk to them, get, get them interested in their lives. But I hope you'll come and be a part of that. We've got to show people God's love. We've got to tell them in any way we can about the Lord and about the forgiveness of sins we can't allow the multitudes in our community our friends, our neighbors, our relatives to continue that blindfolded march toward the abyss without us turning around ourselves into that crowd and saying come on you've got to understand it's an eternity without God the very last word of the apostles creed which we've said many weeks in a row how many remember what the very last word is? Amen. Amen. Amen is a Hebrew word that is used in most languages in its original form. They, rarely is the word ever translated. And it's even, it even finds its way into the Greek New Testament. We just keep using that word and we don't even know why we're saying it. Preacher says, Amen. And everybody goes, Amen. And it sounds like, I don't know why I'm saying that, but it's cool. Listen, here's what Amen means. It means, yes. It means, I agree. It means, let what you just said be so. Let it be true. That's what amen means. And so right at the end of our creed, we see this word amen. And it's our way of saying, we're saying yes to God the Father. Yes to Jesus Christ, His only Son. Yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes to the resurrection. Yes to the ascension. Yes to all those things that were wrapped up in there. And yes to eternal life, the life everlasting. Are you saying yes with me today? Let's stand to our feet. Here's the thing I want to finish with and just say this. Are you ready today? Are you ready? If you were standing up to bat and suddenly, like that black veil comes down, are you ready to go be with the Lord? Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit praisecenteronline.com.